You're listening to episode 342 of the Wait and Since Last Saturday podcast. This is Tony Waller, and today I'm joined by Seth Emerson of The Athletic. We chat spring practice, Bobo running the damn ball, program culture, and the future of SEC football scheduling as we head towards GK. We'll kick off at 4 p.m. on Saturday, April 15th. Scott, Will, and I hope you get together for a G-Day preview before then, so keep an eye out for that. Be sure to follow the WSLS Twitter and Instagram accounts for updates and new posts. And here's Seth and I. As I mentioned in the intro, this is Tony Waller. I am happily joined today by Seth Emerson of The Athletic. Seth, how are you? I'm doing well. Hello, Tony. Hello, Uh, listeners. Man, how are you doing? By the way, this is full disclosure moment here. Um, This is our second pass at this because while I did hit remember to hit record, I had the microphones on mute, which has the same effect. So, um, which I should have known because the light, the mute light, was blinking, but it was pointed towards me, and you can tell that I am a newspaper slash print person, web person, and I am not a radio person. And you can tell I struggle when Scott's not around. Um, So. Tell me a little bit about what you've been up to. I know I've, I've read your athletic stuff. Uh, I know what's going on from the athletic standpoint. But you personally, how are you? I'm I'm doing wonderful, Tony. Thanks for asking. It's baseball uh, season. It's baseball season. I've got a fantasy baseball draft next year. That's what uh, my, my son's doing well. My daughter's doing well. That's that's what that's that's what everyone wants to hear, right? Yeah, sure. How, how, my, I mean. my wife's doing well over at uh, UGA, uh, working there like you. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, so. The reason I called Seth is that I had, um, when I, I struggle failed through the solo podcast recently, um, Seth reached out to me and was like, hey, you know, by the way, I, you know, I've been a decent source on this. I'm like, well, of course you would have because, you know, Kirby called and asked you about hiring Bobo. Uh, I was just, I was right there in the decision making process. And that's as why I, usually I, sh- I should have called you. Yeah. And I apologize for not. Um, so let's talk about Mike Bobo as offensive coordinator for a second. All right. Um, Good job getting the niceties done really quickly. And let's just get into, <laughs> like, you know, run the ball, damn Bobo. Or run the <laughs> damn ball, Bobo. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so Mike Bobo running the damn ball. I think he might do that when they need to. And I think he might pass it. Yeah. I mean, I. I know that there have been people who have said they needed to go outside and, oh, no, lazy hire, just looking inside, or look what happened at Auburn in South Carolina, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Number one, I know people at Auburn in South Carolina, fellow writers, so not people that really had a stake in it. And both of them who covered the Mike Bobo year at each of those places said, oh, no, no, Bobo was was fine. Bobo was good. Like, that wasn't any of the issue there. I mean, Bobo was going to be retained at South Carolina by Will Muschamp, um, or no, by Shane Beamer, by Beamer yeah. after Muschamp was fired. But then he got the Auburn job, which at the time didn't look like a good career move when he got fired, but he now he's back at Georgia uh, as OC and still being paid by Auburn. Which is also, also yeah. good for Georgia. Yeah, um, yeah. A million dollars they're paying him this year. I suspect that salary will go up next year when the Auburn money runs out. Yeah, I would think so. Um, but, you know, everything we've said, and you, you've seen some practices a couple, couple spring practices. That's, that's yeah. nice for change. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm assuming that for the most part, everything looks the same. I mean, we don't exactly see <laughs> what exactly the plays they're running. They, we don't even really see seven on sevens. We just see them throwing on air. But I don't expect big, huge changes. And I think any changes that happen probably would have happened anyway. Uh, if they do use less 12 personnel, for instance, right. that will be a product of Oscar Delp or Lawson Lucky or Pierce Berlin, who's out for the spring, 
aren't ready to get the kind of snaps that Darnell Washington did last year. And therefore, Todd Munkin would have reached the same conclusion and gone more, you know, 13 heavy. It'll go up three receivers and, right. and four receivers. I mean, you, you go to your best talent, right? You, you tailor it to your personnel. And I think Bobo's going to do that. And honestly, the, the evidence at Georgia is that, right? Like, in 2011, 2012, 2013, this team passed it a lot more than they did in 2014 when, right. even though they didn't really have Michelle Chubb and Gurley all at the same time, wasn't there like one game they had that? Like uh, all three, maybe right. the, the Clemson game and then maybe one other yeah, they, game they had all of them healthy wasn't at the Gurley same got, time. Was it Gurley got hurt in the Clemson game? Somebody got hurt in the Clemson game. Uh, Who was it? Gurley got hurt in the LSU game. Okay, Michelle might have been hurt in the Clemson game. Maybe. Um, but they, that team ran the ball a lot. You had Hudson Mason, a quarterback who you know, he's a good quarterback, but he wasn't Aaron Murray in terms right. of the arm. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to – I don't think they're going to be that much different. And the the people that wanted Kirby to go outside for a hire, I, I think looking at Alabama's trouble in replacing Bill O'Brien is instructive. They went and got Tommy Reese, which may end up being a good hire, but I think – there were a lot of Georgia fans who were looking at Alabama hiring Tommy Reese and saying, oh, that's the best you could do? Well, that is a reason that Kirby just turned to Bobo and said, we're going to hire the guy that is a proven commodity in the SEC, is a good recruiter, and by the way, doesn't have to be caught up on the personnel. Yeah, I think one of the things that a lot of people miss is like, I don't... A lot of people want to, and we made the run the damn Bobo joke, uh, uh, damn, run the damn ball Bobo joke a minute ago, but a lot of people want to point to one or two specific plays. And um, I would remind our Georgia listeners, our friends, our fans, uh, our, my fellow Georgia fans, that if Georgia does win a national championship this year and last year, last year and two years ago, we might be able to point to some game state situations that didn't pay off, for mm-hmm. example, uh, because we can all point to the fake punt, for example, in 2018 versus Alabama. What right? would you point to for each season? For each I'm season. Trying to, I'm trying to but we, we grab the play we, for each season. We didn't have to because we won the games, right? But, you know, um, I, I guess my, my point is is like we we have a tendency to over yeah. overemphasize things that, yeah. that create situations. If where, Ohio State makes that field goal. Yeah, okay. If Ohio State makes field What goal. on offense are they? Are you saying no, – no, no, are no, they saying – the offense shouldn't have scored that quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, okay. let's go with that. I think more it's, and I know this from having written the story that appeared Sunday in the Athletic about the defense this year. Right. It's more the defense just couldn't get stops. Yeah. That game. Yeah. They couldn't. Well, contain Stroud. By the way, uh, Ryan Day's a really good co- scheming coach, especially if you give him twenty four days. Well, give him Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. Also, and yeah, and I mean, yeah, he was out, but CJ Stroud was still able to get downfield without him. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what would be the 2021 play if um, I mean that is where that, but that's the thing. The offense won both of those games essentially. Yes, both of those national yes. championships. Well, not this past year's national championship. The, the the bus won that game for Georgia by getting <laughs> them to the stadium, but they won the Peach Bowl. The offense did. Uh, the the defense just got lucky and ran yeah. out of time. Yeah, um, and it was offense and defense. It was the defense for three quarters in the 2021 season national championship, yeah. and then the offense won the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think that's probably right. And well, if they uh, don't win the game in the fourth quarter, there's a play on that drive or two that we say well, that was the wrong play. I'll tell you the play. 
The fumble, Stetson's fumble. That came that that occurred to me, and that is that more just kind of a Stetson brain yeah, fart. Kind yeah, of but play? I'm yeah. saying we we would emphasize that, right? Yeah, okay. We, I mean, we don't think about. I mean, we we think about that play, but we don't think about it in that way because yeah. Ringo intercepted the pass. Oh, also Stetson drove them down the field two seventy five yard drives in the fourth quarter. Right, so. We've litigated Stetson plenty on this, and we will not do so anymore. I don't think there's any more litigating, no litigating Stetson. Right, yeah. We can talk about it for the NFL, but the, it, it's settled in college. Yeah, it's, it's settled. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I think goat's the term you're looking for. Um, uh, so, speaking of quarterback, um, there's an ongoing quarterback battle. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I don't know that... I read you, and I read other people, and I don't know that there's... You read other people. I, well, I'm sorry. I, I do I do reporter cheat on you. Oh. Um, but uh, I didn't... I, I don't mean to. I, it doesn't mean anything. Better not be it Jake Rowe. It doesn't you know, <laughs> That dude. Whew. Um, so, is quarterback battle anything interesting other than it's quarterback battle? I, I'm trying to figure out whether everything I'm hearing is a very well-coordinated effort to create the impression of a quarterback battle to keep all three on campus as long as possible through the summer, because everything I'm hearing says, yeah, legit battle. Like before the spring started, I heard from two separate people like watch Gunnar Stockton. Like he, he did well on scout team last year. And, and the fact that they had him on scout team was kind of Kirby's, way of throwing him into the fire rather than just having him do, you know, meaningless third team reps and stuff. Right. Um, and then since spring started, you hear Vandegrift and Beck are both working with the ones and Vandegrift, you know, is making a good move and everything. But everything you've seen on the field says common sense says Carson Beck's going to be the starter because he got legitimate in-game reps last year. George was able to give him that but i mean he he was getting reps in the national championship game right now he he if unless i'm remembering wrong he has not gotten reps in a moment of doubt situation sure um but i mean i mean very few teams have a backup quarter of that back yeah right stetson had that going into 2021 because of 2020 like just being thrown out there yeah uh in the Arkansas game and then after that. But so you don't know how Carson Beck's going to do when it's, listen, it's your job. You're the number one and you have to lead us to these wins. On the other hand, the start of the season is just so easy right? that there is a ramp there. Um, and it, it seems like the perfect time, honestly, to just pick the best quarterback, you know? You don't need to pick the most experienced guy. Pick the best one. And the, the the biggest danger game is week three when South Carolina comes in here. Right. But, I mean, uh, you know, there's no even chance then. he pulls a Harbaugh and just like co-starters. One will start uh, Scott, the UT Martin and one will start the Cardinals in uh, Ball State. There's no I don't chance. think so. That's, I don't, that felt weird. I Yeah. I, I, I mean, Jim Harbaugh and Kirby Smart seem like two very different types of individuals. No, you don't think me. you don't think Kirby yes. drinks milk at Ruth Chris. That didn't. Yeah, did, did I didn't hear that Harbaugh, Harbaugh did yes, that? One hundred percent. He went. Yeah. He went to Ruth Chris and got a steak, but ordered a glass of milk. Which you know what? I am not going to milk shame somebody. I love me a glass of milk. Not Ruth Chris. Kirby's gone on record as liking the red wine. Uh, so I imagine that's what he's getting at, at Ruth Chris. I would. I would hope yeah, so. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. 
but I, I don't, and I've, I've had questions from fans saying, could he do something like, you know, carry it into the, you know, do, you know, a green Shockley kind of thing. Um, for those who are too young to remember this, this was my first stint as a quasi Georgia beat writer in 2002, 2004 green for, was it two series? And then Shockley for one. Usually. Yeah. Um, and it backfired spectacularly one game, but, um, but they were also I, really different quarterbacks. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, Beck and Vandergriff, because of Vandergriff's running ability, could be categorized as two different quarterbacks. I, I love when they say, you know, Beck is a better runner than you think, and Vandergriff's a better passer than you think. They always say that, you know. But, I mean, honestly, Beck is a pocket quarterback, and Vandergriff is a dual threat. Right. Although, I mean, you know, you could you categorize, categorize Stetson as a dual threat. And, Which he was. Uh, and he definitely was. But I mean, there were a few base plays where he was supposed to run the ball. Yeah. But usually that was a that was a there, that was a check down option. There aren't two different playbooks. Right. Like dual threat playbook and pocket quarterback playbook. Right. There's one playbook and they like the dual threat quarterback mostly to be able to run when the play breaks down. But then there's also a few plays that are just for the dual threat quarterback. Versus like when JT Daniels was in there and the few plays that they would use with Brock Vandegrift that they won't use with Carson Beck. I think, but w- when I think of coaches making decisions on dual threat quarterbacks, I think, especially with Georgia's system under Todd Monk and under Mike Bobo, whoever, uh, it's the, the allure of the dual threat quarterback is to make the plays that Stetson Bennett, like the Tennessee touchdown. Right. Yeah. When when he is rushed up the middle, was it? It was third down, right? It was uh, third it and was, something yeah. from the thirteen. He is rushed up the middle. He goes back to the twenty and just outruns the guy to the pylon and gets a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. like Carson Beck's not making that play. No, um, J.T. Oh, no, no, Daniels no, no. isn't I, making. I, I that hear play. he can run pretty yeah. fast. So yeah, that's the play they're thinking of. Um, you know, thinking about that, I'm, I'm curious. Kind of tying back into Bobo versus Munkin, or Bobo being the new offensive coordinator. Um, Scheme-wise, does it matter that, you know, obviously the big, big O was gone and he is uh, – It that, could. That could change a little bit. But we also might have a little more depth with, with Thomas and Lovett uh, yeah. on, on, the, on the slot in, in, the, in the Z. Yeah. The Z is slot X. Yeah. Which is – which one's I don't remember which one, but – Yeah. Uh, I just call it the slot. Um, I'm still trying to master the receiver positions yeah. and route trees and whatever. Yeah. They could run a lot less thirteen this year, which they would have done anyway under Munkin. That's not if they run a lot less thirteen this year or a lot less two tight ends. Period. Some people might say that's a Bobo change, but that's going to be a personnel thing. It's going to depend on whether Oscar Delp or Lawson Lucky or Pierce Sperlin, uh, who's out for the spring, presumably be back for the summer, whether those guys prove they're good enough for snaps. If they are, but they will be different. Like Darnell Washington was a heavy blocking guy who also could catch some passes and be a mismatch when he got out there. Um, Brock Bowers was Georgia's leading slot receiver. Right. Yes. Like yeah. I, I got the stats when I wrote the story this past oh, week. Week ago, right? Yeah, and the, they broke it down. PFF did uh, on slot versus outside and flex and. Bowers was was Georgia's, you might say, well, he, he had a lot of flex snaps. But the way PFF categorized it was slot. 
he had more slot by far snaps than Kiaris Jackson and Dominic Blaylock. Um, Might have been someone else in there. But bottom line, it's interesting because does Brock Bowers now go and line up where Darnell Washington did a lot? Does he line up as the sixth offensive lineman a lot? And now because Dominic Lovett is there to be the slot, does it work that way? Or do they both line up outside? Right. Uh, one in the slot, one flex, whatever you want to call it. And they want Oscar Delp to be the guy on the line. Uh, it, it's, they've got to – and that obviously you don't have to do that every play. You can mix it up. Right. But it, it's going to be different. The offense is going to look different. And Bowers' role is interesting to watch because the more they, – they, he has put on weight, they've said, this spring. Bowers has. Yeah. Okay. And so he talked the other day about trying to improve his blocking. So that could mean he's more sixth O-lineman type Is that, is that just because he, he probably is not going to play – a true receiver in the NFL or I'm no, curious, no, I, I, I think, I think it's more in case. Okay. It depends on Oscar Delp okay. and Lawson lucky. Okay. Um, and Pierce Sperlin. Um, most people are kind of counting them out for Deuce Robinson. Now the five star, uh, that he'll either go play baseball or he'll go to USC Southern Cal. That is. Yeah. Uh, but if they got him, that would be another X factor. But if, if they like Oscar Delp, if, if his snaps were Lawson lucky, those guys are going to get a lot of snaps. And Bowers will go back to being more of the slot. Maybe it'll be more of a flex. Like, Dominic Lovett. He needs to play outside, right? No, Wait, no, no. He's, 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 he's a slot. Like, the, like, the, like 99% of his snaps last year were, oh, okay. were in the slot okay. at Missouri. Um, Ra-Ra Thomas is an outside he's guy. He's an outside guy. Okay. Marcus Rosemead Jackson is a guy to watch. As in, with A.D. Mitchell not here... He could get a lot of outside snaps. I mean, maybe it'll be more rah rah Thomas, but Rosemary Jackson can do that. And they can move Ladd McConkey around. Like Ladd McConkey looks like a slot receiver. Yeah. But, but he, he but rarely they, lines up there. No, he was outside. Yeah. Uh because they didn't use the slot very but obviously we're we're talking like these are definite pieces on a chessboard every play and they're not. They move around like Ladd McConkey goes in motion and goes there. Sometimes they line up three. We're 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 talking I don't mean to make it like these are baseball positions, right? You know, these it, it's different. But in terms of skill sets, it's going to be interesting to see how they play around with all. And you've got Arian Smith if he can stay healthy. Can you know he, he's going to catch a bomb every right. game at yeah. this point? Like he has the most ridiculous yards per catch in Georgia history. Um, that play, by the way, you is know, that the play of the season? That might be, yeah, that's the that yeah. might be the play of the season. The, that's a good point. Yeah. Because at that point you're thinking, I don't know, Ohio State still got this, and when yeah. Arian Smith gets that open, Stetson hits him, yeah. and Georgia scores. At that point you're like, oh, uh, okay, okay. Well, that's when I went from, oh, we're going to lose this game to we might make this uh, close. Yeah, um, we might make this interesting. The the reaction there was, oh, Georgia's yeah not giving up yet. Yeah. Georgia hasn't packed it in yet. Yeah. Um. So I, one one other question about the offense. Um. Yeah, I know with with Faulkner leaving and then uh, Munkin leaving, moving Bobo. There was another. Oh, Faulkner was an analyst. Brought in uh, Dickey and right. Streeter. Is this a situation of like you know, giving Bobo tools that he can use, yeah. or is that a or these specific um, strategic decisions? I, I think it's giving him tools he can use. It, it's it's the playbook from Nick Saban. Something I I Kirby learned under Saban. Okay. And these are two men who, 
in a lot of ways are confident and arrogant about some things, but they realize that you can always learn more right? and you can always know more. And one of the things Nick Saban did might've been like one of the first things he did, maybe his first year at Alabama. I don't remember right. Was he brought in Phil Savage Oh, that's right. to be like the radio analyst. Uh And then he started, but the reason he did that was because he wanted to Phil Savage from the booth to be able to tell him like after games, like, well, here's what you're doing wrong. This guy needs to do this, blah, blah, blah. And that was Nick freaking Saban. And he continued to do that. Like the, this, this, these analyst positions sprouted up because Nick Saban was not so like arrogant to think that he knew everything or had the time to see everything. And Kirby's brought that with him. And so I think I'm in a simple sense, He's hired these two guys. They, they will have roles. Like one of them will be working more with the receivers, one more with the quarterbacks. The way Bobo, by the way, worked with the re- receivers last year. Faulkner worked with the quarterbacks the last three years. But ultimately what it comes down to is it's two more good football brains that are in the office. Um, one other thing before we go uh, to the defense. Any breakout players, uh, new people on the block, uh, anything our listeners should be, any people our listeners should be paying attention to? What's in, I, I don't want to go too much into the O-line, but left tackle is interesting. Austin Blasky has been getting a lot of left tackle work from what we hear. Right. Uh, other people have reported. I've heard it too. I still wonder when you get around to August and September whether Ernest Green ends up there because he may have the higher upside plus Austin Blasky may be next year's center so they could maybe turn Blasky into kind of a sixth man type in that way uh, but if he's the best he's left tackle in the rotation, in the yeah rotation. yeah okay. but if he's the best left tackle he's gonna be the best left tackle. remember Ernest Green was hurt a lot last year he was getting second team reps actually at left tackle uh, last preseason before he got hurt so that delayed his development there but he could, with more experience, either in the spring or the summer, or it could go into the season. Again, with the schedule, opening against Tennessee Martin and Ball State, South Carolina, but then UAB, you have the ability to maybe throw an Ernest Green in there or slowly work him in and then move him around. So that that's one thing to watch. Um, we talked a lot about the wide receivers. I, I don't mean to discount that someone else could come out of the group there and um, like an Anthony Evans freshman uh, like Dylan Bell I haven't mentioned him but he almost kind of quietly had a really solid freshman year and he could make a big move Uh, running backs gonna be interesting to watch Kendall Milton needs to stay healthy Uh, he might have already banged himself up in the spring might Uh, might have might be a hammy what we heard um, but that's not the kind of thing that normally would put him out for a while. Plus, he has plenty of game reps to lean on. But um, who's going to be the second guy? Is it going to be Branson Robinson, Dijon Edwards? Uh, I don't know if Roderick Robinson's ready yet, but uh, I'd, uh, Branson Robinson's name to watch. I mean, not an accident that he was getting a lot of reps at the end of the national title game. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, I mean, people, people read that into it, so... Um, so looking at the defense, uh, first I want to reference your article this morning, right? came out this morning? Sunday, as we're recording this. Sunday, as we're recording it, uh, about the possibility of Georgia's defense being generational again. And it got me very excited. Um, Which means we have to come up with another word, because if they're that good again, uh, yeah. it's not generational. It's not generational. It, it's was, like, it was two years ago. Yeah, so once yeah. every other year. 
Maybe that's just the new standard. Odd years. Uh, odd years, right? Um, so I, I just a little bit about that. Why? I mean, I don't. I don't. I want right. people to go read your article at the Athletic, by the way. Thank but, you. Um, I hope they do. I'd love you. I'd love you to tease a little bit and give me. If anybody is a fan of the movie Road to Perdition, I don't know where Will Leach <laughs> and uh, Mr. Grierson stand on it. Yeah. They don't want to read it because I I rip it. Yeah, a well, couple I, times. I would rip it. Um, you just you called a slog. Yeah, it, because it was, because it was it's a, a long, plainful a, yeah, slog, yes. and it was pretentious. Yeah, it was trying too hard to be the Godfather. Anyway, um, I'm not saying Georgia is going to again have a generationally great defense. I'm saying it's on the table when you look at what they have coming back, all the production they have coming back. Um, you, they've got to make sure that in the back, it's it's. You know, that you replace Christopher Smith ably uh, because he was so dependable. Malachi Starks was a playmaker, but he needs to go from playmaker to dependable guy. Unless the next guy, the guy that replaces Christopher Smith, like it could be Dan Jackson once he's healthy. It could be David Daniel Sisavan, I think. Um, you know, unless they earned up that guy. They, they've got to figure out enough of a pass rush, although... You know, people can't obsess over the sacks. That's not the stat that indicates what kind of pass rush you're getting. But you want Marvin Jones Jr. when he's healthy. He's not healthy in the spring. He had the, I think he was one of the guys who had labrum surgery. Uh, Chaz Chambliss, um, one of these five-star freshmen, right. or Jalen Walker from last year. You want these guys to – and Jalen Walker was – he was the inside linebacker who played – outside most of last year. Right. I think he may be back at inside linebacker because of the freshmen they have. Samuel and Pemba, um, Damon Wilson. Um, they've got a lot of talent. It's a matter of getting those guys to play up to it right away. But you and I both know from watching Georgia over the years, they're going to get pressure from people other than the outside linebackers. They're going to move guys around, and the inside linebackers are going to come in and make plays. The You know the name that I keep coming back to when I say this could be another – great Georgia defense is, is Michael Williams. Right. The fact, like, that, the fact that you've gone five just, minutes we, on this, yeah, you haven't mentioned it. We kind of forget about him. Yeah. And the fact that we forget about him, um, like Nazir Stackhouse could, yeah. he's not a young guy, but he's a guy who could be a really good nose. Uh, and, and, and Javon Bullard, man, he's just a player. Oh, he, he, I mean, he I was don't only know. MVP of three different games last yeah, year. Yeah, he could he could in end the, up oh, in the play. In the he could end up the, the safety, by the way. Right? You think so? Like, I was going to ask about that. I, I think he's not playing corner. They're not moving him there. Um, nickelback is basically a starting position, but he's so good that if he can play safety and guarantee that he's on the field basically 100 percent of the defensive snaps, that's what you want. Right. So, if someone can emerge at star, like. Tyke Smith finally, if he's finally healthy for a whole year, um, or Smoke Bowie, oh, wow. someone like that, and Javon Buller can play safety. Like, I mean, you I, talked about there's just about so the, many good players on this defense. Well, I mean, the point is you've talked about basically the entire two deep in in a way of praising each individual. And player. I'm forgetting some oh, five star. Yeah. Like, if you're covering almost any other program, this five star comes in. You remember. When John Theus came in, yeah. Now Georgia wasn't recruiting badly no, under Rick and that era, deal. but John Theus Fitz, was a yeah. five star, and it's like these, you know, everyone had their eyes on him, and it was a little, I think, almost unfair to him, right? 
Um, and by the way, John Theus, I don't know him too well, but just following him on Twitter, he, he seems like a really cool guy. Really, yeah. He's married with a kid now. He seems like a really well-adjusted like Human dude. being. He's yeah. human. He yeah. didn't need football right. as his identity to yeah. be. You know, so anyway, just Did as he, a— He played in the NFL a little bit. I think he, he I think he, he got yeah, got a cup of coffee. He was drafted. Um, yeah, but I remember he told me his story about finding out how he was drafted um, and how he was going through the draft process. And it was just very obvious that he was even then like, you know, football's not my identity. Right. So I say all that because I, I'm going back to when John Theus came here, it was and some of that was because George's O line was it was an issue. Um, who was the coach? Stacy Searles. Oh, oh yeah. Well, we're. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> they oh. were well, then, and then Will Friend came in. Um, I think Searles did. Searles get Theus's commitment. I don't think he did. I don't remember. Yeah, I, I think he was to, gone. I, I think bit. he had just left for Texas, Texas and Friend yeah. had gotten here. That sounds right. But he might have done a lot of the legwork. Yeah. For the, too much of a tangent. But the point being, in those days, the five stars came in here, and there was this glare on them. Yeah. Now Georgia recruits so <laughs> many five stars and That's so point, many though. that these guys can fade into the background. Yeah. That's the genius of the Kirby Smart era. And I say genius, you've got to get to this point. Like it you've got to get you've got to recruit well. Yeah. Which is what they've done. But the reason this is a machine, the same way Alabama was a machine and still is, honestly, uh, is that you can recruit these very like really good players. And there's not going to be that huge glare on them most of the time. There's not going to be that pressure, and they they can develop. Yeah, and I think that's that's kind of the point, right? I mean, the point is, is like everybody's like, well, Georgia's only winning because they're stacking talent. I mean, yep, that's the idea. Yeah, (laughs) yes, yes. Okay, like that's that's like saying that's like saying you know. it's like saying you know, modern home builders can build a house twice as fast as home builders uh, fifty years ago. Yeah, and yeah. Do of you course. think? I, I've thought a little bit about like the criticism that Georgia gets these days. I, did, I don't hear it. It doesn't bother. Oh, okay, me. yeah. yeah. Um, I, and, by the way, I'm not one of those fans. It's like I don't feel the need to rush out and defend everything. I have certain feelings about uh, the way so many outlets have handled the wreck. In in I noticed in, you went plural there, Jalen Carter, huh? You you said media outlets plural media outlets okay um, yeah, I'm okay just, I'm just, right. I don't I, I don't want to cast aspersions don't want to name names I'm okay. just saying okay. I, I think there are there are media outlets who are I'm not saying they're not covering it but they also are viewing this with a, an eye towards um, I just don't think they're being I think they're sensationalizing things in a way that in, completely within the realm of of their right I just don't think it's necessary. Um, having said that, I, I'm also not one of those George fans that feel the need to rush in and defend yeah. every single thing. I, I, you, I like, I, listen, I, um, I, I've, been, I've been off Twitter for a, a little bit, but I did jump on yesterday for just for a little bit, mainly because I wanted to see what was going on with the weather. Um, uh, that might be the most dad thing I've ever said. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't tune into Weather Channel, uh, so that, that'd have been more. Dad. I would hope you get your weather stuff from somewhere other than Twitter. I, I follow a bunch of really. I'm I'm a, I'm a weather nerd. Okay. Um, I follow a bunch of weather people yeah. on Twitter. Uh, I really wanted to see what was going on with the tornadoes in Mississippi. Okay. Um, so, but I, I noticed there was kind of this thread. It was like Georgia fans are the most spoiled and bitter and blah blah. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, fans are fans yeah. are. First off, second off, look, man, I've been through some stuff. Right, I came to this campus and and this is the column I wrote 
at a, a week or so after the national, the, the, the second national championship. I said, Georgia fans kind of have deserved this. Yes. Thank you. Now no. the worm is turning. Now no. you are not. And I've, I also wrote this in, I think it was in my mailbag when I fielded a question about the culture problems. Oh yeah. Quote unquote. But like Georgia is no longer the feel good story. Okay. Right. No. no so no, you no. are, you are Alabama. We are people. You're, you're going to take shots. Yes. And there's going to be people that use things like the crash and the aftermath as a reason to take excuses or take shots at Georgia, that there's cultural problems and they're, you know, not good citizens and blah, blah, blah. Um, there's going to be people who are going to do, do it for on field reasons and say, well, never would have beaten Alabama without the two receivers getting hurt. Uh, never would have beaten Ohio State with Harrison getting hurt. And by the way, it was a bad call. Debatable whether they, whether Ohio, Georgia wins that game with Harrison in there. Sure. I don't think it's debatable that it was targeting. It was not targeting. No. You don't overrule that no. play no. without. And, and there's, I, I love the Ryan Day quote where he talked, where he said, I talked to Steve Shaw and like he told me it wasn't targeting, it was ruled correctly. And I just don't understand. I'm like, well, how many people do you need to tell you? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, that to go back to Javon Bullard is just a really good player. He is. And well coached. Yes. Um, but this is, this is what it is, George. This is what you want. Yeah. And you have gone now from being the Chicago Cubs, Boston Red Sox, the lovable losers, like will they ever get there, ever get over the hump, to now you're the ones who are going to be getting the shots. And that's yeah. – this is what comes with the territory. And I, honestly, I was thinking that as, as Kirby was getting uh, grilled that first day of spring practice in that press conference, which was fairly uncomfortable. Um, most of the questions were being asked by <clears> – <throat> one outlet and there was one reporter in there who no one really knows who he we who he worked for no mm-hmm. one knew who he was and like went up to claude yet afterwards and said who was that like, i don't i thought you guys might know who it was yeah. but anyway um it was about 10 minutes of uncomfortable questions and i'm i'm kind of where you are um i think jeff schultz has tweeted out on their view on this story but without getting into it i'll just say that i i was more kind of watching it and i was going i think kirby is figuring out he's in a new world yeah he's this is this is it this you are now going to get this kind of treatment you are going to be under the glare where everything fair or unfair is going to be turned into something yeah because you are the two-time defending champions yeah and I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the culture thing and I, I i want your thoughts on that but let me tell you where i am it's like i you know, I make my living working with 21 to 25-year-olds, right? Mm-hmm. I, work at, I work at the law school at the University of Georgia, and I don't have to deal with my students on the personal, intimate level the way um, Kirby Smart and his staff does. I just mm-hmm. don't. Also, my students aren't necessarily under the same – or they're not at all under the same player. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't think you pay very much attention to the details if you think – just to put it this way, I think the person you're talking about is also the person that immediately tweeted out um, something along the lines of Kirby Smart takes no responsibility for the wreck that kills a staffer and a player. I think that was uh, verbatim. I haven't talked about a person. Okay. I'm but just, I know what tweet you're talking about. Right. I'm, I don't know if that was reporter. And it was surprising. Uh, it was surprising, right? Um, first off, it was a uh, – at the, being extraordinarily charitable, it was a mis – representation of what Kirby said. The, the words he did say in that press conference were, it, it's on me. He was saying it about right. like keeping players out of right. trouble in general. He wasn't talking about the 
<laughs> car crash. Right. And the quote unquote transgressions, a word that was doing a lot of work. Yeah. Uh, that led to the crash. And again, that gets into was there some sort of cultural problem? Were there some sort of procedural problem going on here that led to this? I've yet to see any evidence that any of that was at work. Right. This was a couple of, you know, this, these were young people acting badly. Who and made one bad of decisions. them, one of them paid with their life. Yeah. Well, it did too. And it right. also cost yeah. the life of someone yeah. in her car. Right. Right. Um, but look, you got to get a handle on the players racing. Okay. Yeah, of course. But I, I think that Georgia structurally inwardly has done a lot of these things <clears throat> that Kirby's talked about. Well, even before it's just, it doesn't get, you know, I, people don't pass on. Like there's, there's a structure in that program where, and he's brought in, um, like the judge, Steve Jones name yes. jumps to my mind, you know, Steve yes, Jones, um, isn't he the guy that he struck down the, the abortion law or whatever. He was on Georgia's athletic board. Uh, he, he, he's come and spoken to the team about, I forget what, but he, he brings in Kirby and company bring in speakers like that all the time. Um, Brian Gant is, is someone who is well-regarded. Yeah. Uh, Jonas Jennings is well regarded. Thomas Settles, people they've got a and, and all those people are yeah, they've got a lot of people quietly there. working in the background to do but everything. But it's still eighty five scholarship, one hundred twenty five total players who are between the ages of eighteen and not always twenty five, right. uh, more like eighteen to twenty two, twenty three. Although there was a twenty five year old right. recently ran into trouble, silly trouble, but trouble, and not in Athens, right? <laughs> yeah, in Dallas, but you can't. It, it's hard to say. I mean, is he? I mean, there, there are those that say that that, that, that men that age should be put in a barrel, right? Yeah. Um, it's 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 tough, and I think we also know that type of the type of players, people who are at who are elite athletes, they a lot of them tended to have been told they're bulletproof, right, all their lives, and so do you need to rein that in more? Do you do you need to have a support structure that that helps that and and ameliorates that kind of sense that they have about themselves? It's it's tough. It's um and and but honestly, was street racing on anybody's bingo card entering the no. the off season? As this is something he's got to know. It, it's if if it's not this, it's gonna it's something else. It always seems like. Well, and I think I am by no means trying to downplay. Poor driving on behalf of college students, and in particular, what that what happened. But in in the charge, absolutely is racing, right? It should be, but mm. but for the grace of God, go I. Because when I was that age, I have on, on multiple occasions rushed to get to places because I had a we're going to get there, we're we're going to beat you there, right? Did you go up? Did you go that fast? I don't know. I mean, you know, eighty six and a forty five. I mean, Bernard Schultz. I, I had some. Then. I had some uh, times. Right. I'm not. I, you know, I say early. That. I had some times in college, and especially late in high school, where I maybe was trying to get that that speedometer. Yes. Pin it. And, you know. And he, but. but also, here's the thing. They, they meaning the players. It, there's a long way from what you see in Los Angeles, where they shut down the street and the street racing. Yeah. And two cars, admittedly not great rushing racing each other from one spot to another yeah right and still racing by all means still racing um i i just it's hard i in the older i get the harder it is for me to be tisk tisk about things 
um, and also to want to condemn something um, without having more evidence that it's not mm-hmm. a, a one-off thing. Extraordinarily tragic circumstances, yeah. right? Um, I was just, I was just curious your thoughts on that. Well, um, I think I appreciate. I, it. I, I put it in a column afterwards where um, I think, if for no other reason, to send a message, Jamon Dumas Johnson needs to sit. Uh, yeah, probably a game or two. Yeah, this season. Right. I mean, it, I mean, there um, comes a point where there comes a point where it's like, okay. and and I don't want to hear. And I wrote this, and I would tell Kirby this to his face. Like, I I, I don't think it's appropriate anymore to say internal discipline. I think they've yeah, reached they've reached times, yeah. a point that Mark Richt reached when I first got back on the beat here in like 2010. You remember that run where they just oh, yeah. had like so many different. And it was it was mostly silly stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're at a point here where yeah, you you do have to do. But can we look back? We're at a point here where they need to, I think, send a message. Mm-hmm. The way Mark Rick did, like not quite zero tolerance, as in someone who gets jaywalking as booted from the team, but like we're gonna, we need to send messages here. Right. Um, but can we look back on anybody recently and say they took it easy on this kid? They they played, they they handled this situation wrong. Like Adam Anderson didn't play another down, right? And he's by the way not been convicted in a court of law, right? Uh, I guess that trial might have been. Pushed back. Yeah, Someone I don't. Was telling uh, me to yeah. June. Yeah, there's there's some stuff going on in the DA's office. Okay, yeah. Um, Akil Crumpton is yeah bizarre, but right. he had been gone from the program for several years. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't look back on any situation. And well, Kenny McIntosh is. You know, he got yeah popped for something last spring. It was probably around this time. Um, and he didn't end up sitting any games. Right. If that happens now, maybe he needs to sit. Right. The same way Jamon Dumas Johnson last year probably doesn't get suspended because the reckless driving and street racing are misdemeanors. Yeah. Now. <clears throat> may well. Yeah. Maybe need to do that. Um, Javon Bullard sat one game last year after a DUI. Yeah. Um, do you send a message and say that's going to be two games now? Yeah. I, I think it is time to, to be more public with your punishments. Rather than say this is internal discipline, I'm like, I'm sorry, you're Georgia football. Like you, this is not a. Well, the lights are brighter now. Yeah, there some things are, some things you are you you can keep inside. You know, like there, there's some stuff that can be private, but stuff like this, I, I think there's a public right to know that discipline's happening. Having said that, yeah, I mean, I don't see the evidence for a culture run amok. Or anything. Well, it's not even it's not even the the public right to know. Um, the lights are brighter, right? Yeah. And and you have if to, the stuff had happened at Virginia or Maryland, yeah, God love us, yeah, uh, some of our yeah. alma maters, right? Yeah, yeah, Did, no. yeah, Did, it would be okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so flipping totally flipping gears. Um, in the lo- the loss episode, the one that I forgot to turn off the mute, um, we started talking about the SEC schedule, and you've written pretty extensively about this. Is your opinion that uh, Destin will figure out what's happening? Maybe before that. Okay. Uh, it's kind of at the point where I, 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 you know, I look at my phone and I wonder whether <laughs> you, they just might release it today. You missed something um, while you and I were talking. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a nine-game schedule with three permanent opponents. Tell me Kentucky, please. Tell it's going to be Kentucky. Yes. Unless there's some yeah. 
changed at the last minute, but I talked to Ray Tanner at South Carolina. He didn't confirm right. that Georgia is not one of their three. He just said that he didn't stand on a table and demand anything. Um, and the SEC apparently, while choosing one or two opponents for each team based on historical reasons, for the most part, not for the most part, after that, they went to a formula where they did a last 10 years kind of thing to try and make it competitively the three permanent opponents match up and be kind of even for everybody. I don't honestly know how that means Georgia gets Kentucky rather than South Carolina because it seems like they probably are along uh, similar. Yeah. yeah, well, I don't know. Kentucky, South Carolina has been more feast or famine. Yeah, and Kentucky. Whereas been Kentucky's just upward, always been yeah. there. Um, but yeah, you get you get Keeneland every other year. Oh man, still. Well, I will say this: it, every four like, years, every because every the, the I think I mean when they announce it, they may say it's more than a four year cycle. Okay, but. There's no reason that they have to be permanent about this. Okay, they could announce sense. nine games. Here are the three permanent opponents, but we're revisiting this in, in four yeah, years yeah, because it's a four-year rotation. Yeah. Um, well, uh, that makes me very happy. Uh, you know, anybody listening to this podcast knows how much I love Lexington and abhor Columbia, South Carolina. Keeneland in October versus Columbia. Anytime. Humid in September. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and the thing, it's just a better town. It's a it's a more fun trip. Um, it's a it's a it's a it's a better football facility. Mm-hmm. It's easier to get into. It's um, Kentucky fans are they they love their football, mm-hmm. um, but they're not Kentucky basketball fans. Um, Kentucky football fan, uh, South Carolina football fans, or Kentucky basketball fans. I think there's there's some analogies talk about long suffering. Uh, yeah, they, they don't know they are. They are they. It's they are absolutely. There's, the, it, there's the history, definitely the a different Actually, not mentality. Even history, not even the history of Wake Forest because Wake Forest has won ACC since they have. Yeah. Um, it's the history of Wake Forest in in the attitude in Notre Dame. Um, yeah. Although I think Shane Beamer's changing that. I attitude think a little I bit. think Shane Beamer's a really good match for that program. I know we got to wrap up. I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but I know that there was some sentiment about Shane Beamer, like, would he run that like a real professional organization? Because there's a sense in college football now that you must run a football program this way. And that him going on Twitter and responding to people and criticizing people publicly um, and basically showing personality like that. Honestly, that's more Spurrier-ish. Yeah. And, and Spurrier, that worked at South Carolina. And I think that's good for South Carolina. I, I think... And, and Beamer probably will act differently at South Carolina than if he was the Georgia coach, for instance. I would think but so. I, I think it, I, the results on the field are pretty good so far for yeah. Beamer. Yeah. Any other surprises in the SEC schedule outside of Georgia's? Uh, I mean, a little surprising. I think that Alabama and LSU seem like they are going to get matched. And I know Saban was complaining about it, but that's why I wrote the column. Like, get but, used to it. Everybody's. It was Alabama, Tennessee, I mean, Tennessee, LSU, and Mississippi State. Is that right? Um, no, I don't think they're getting Mississippi State. Okay, they're Good getting they're, they're getting Auburn, Tennessee, Auburn, and, Tennessee LSU. and LSU. Okay, but but Tennessee it been, doesn't it matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Right. The the it might matter a little bit if they somehow stayed with the eight game schedule, which I've been told it's not been decided. I think they're doing a nine game schedule as long as ESPN doesn't lowball them with the extent like how much more they're going to give them. Um, but because of the nine game schedule, because of the rotating, the other six teams, you're going to face everybody in the SEC twice every four years and only those three permanent opponents every year. So everybody, everybody's schedule is going to over time 
be the same. It's going to depend right. on how good you are every year. And you, you might have a year where your schedule is harder and your team isn't good, and that ends up being the total bad year for that, and you go four and eight. Yeah. Or you might have a year where things end up being a little your schedule is a little easier and you're really good and that's the year you go 11 and 1 and make the playoff whatever but it should in theory well the ma- good, it should in the wash work out for everybody the very good news and, and and this is and i mean this sincerely and wholeheartedly is that um what espn looks at for eyeballs on tv are actually good for the fans georgia fans uh in particular uh because i i am I believe with the 12-team playoff, there's almost mm. always going to be two SEC teams and oftentimes three. Uh, uh, two is minimum. Right. Like and two, I'm, three might be minimum. Right. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. But, but that also means that you have more flexibility. Yeah. And because travel will be a part of this, mm-hmm. because travel will be a part of this, I'm going to repeat that, it will matter, right? That will pay, they will pay attention to that because you will have because let's say you lose two games, you, you you're an SEC team that loses two games, but your two games are to the two SEC championship participants. Okay, play that out. Yeah. Um, there are six at-large spots, uh, presumably five if Notre Dame is in the the mix, right? Yeah. Um, you're gonna take a you're gonna take a one-loss ACC team uh, that has played a nine-game schedule but looks differently. I mean, I just think it, I just think it does matter having yeah. that extra SEC game in there, uh, both on the, the micro level because you end up having better games at home, and the macro level because it enhances your strength of schedule. Something that the committee has has continually said mm-hmm. they pay attention to and will keep doing so in a 12-team playoff. Yeah, and if you're Georgia this year, were were you? Would you have been excited to see Alabama at some point in a 12-team playoff, which you might have? Tennessee, you had kind of taken care of Tennessee, and don't give me that it was right. Georgia. Don't give me what would have happened yeah. on a neutral site, whatever, yeah. been, and Hendenhooker got if hurt it anyway. Rained, hadn't rained. Yeah, South Carolina also, by the way, showed yeah. how much you can do on that defense. Yeah. Um, but Alabama against Georgia on some neutral site, I guarantee you, Every Georgia fan would be a little biting nervous. their nails. A little nervous. I agree. I agree. Um, and because Alabama in a twelve-team playoff last year would have made it at ten and two. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, any uh, just switching quickly to G Day. By the way, um, G Day is at four o'clock. ESPN's covering yeah. it. Um, it's the closest thing to the primetime game they have because it's the last two defending national champions. Um, and um, I, I can't take credit for that joke. Someone texted me that joke, uh, but. Um, anything to look for? Is this just going to be yet another G day? I mean, we're not, uh, okay, not going to have no. I mean, I don't, I don't. I don't think Kirby's going to bring in uh, like Jay Z or someone to, to play. Yeah. Uh, he's no. You know him. Yeah. He just wants it to be all. I mean, he 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 will go off the. You know, he'll go off the script a little bit sometimes here and there, especially but when it's that atmosphere like. Last year at SEC Media Days, you know, he's getting up there and for the second straight year he's quoting Thoreau and kind of doing, you know, being kind of loose. And people are, you know, people are asking me like, oh, Kirby must, it looks like he's much more relaxed after winning national championship. I'm like, no, this is other than his first year when I think he was nervous. This is how he is every year at this event. You're yeah. just Paying assuming that now. now. I think as a roundabout way of me saying uh, G-Day this year will probably be the same as it is every year. It's going to be set up in such a way to try to 
put some pressure on the quarterbacks, on the kicker. I think it'll be Gerald Zirkel um, and guys like that. See how they perform with, you know, yeah, 60, like- 70, 80, 90,000 people, however many are there. But they're going to do that without showing certain plays. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Zirkle. That's a question I meant to ask if, who you thought would be the kicker. I mean, the, the freshman they brought in, his name Peyton Woodring, um, maybe. But Zirkle's waited around a long time. I think he'd have to kick really badly to not get some deference to, to get that job. Cool. Cool, cool. Um, well, Seth, I appreciate you taking the time. I, I do not want to take all of your Sunday afternoon. Tell folks where they can find you on the Twitters and where you write. Uh, Seth W. Emerson. That is currently blue check marked. As of, I guess, Saturday, it won't be. Oh, well. Uh, that's going away now? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I, you need I, to get I, off Twitter or yeah. you need to get on Twitter to see. Do you have a blue check mark? I do not. Okay. Well, I don't think. I'm, uh, I'm not going to have one anymore either because you're going to have to pay for it. So. Yeah. Even, even, known, even known quantities? Yeah. Well, okay. apparently we have to pay $8 a month or whatever it is. To keep it up? Yeah. Uh, to um, verify who we are, even though someone else could yeah. also register my name and pay $8 and claim to be me. So I'm not paying that. Um, yeah, you can get me Seth W. Emerson as long as that platform still exists. Uh, and just theathletic.com, which if Twitter continues to fault just let's just, just yeah. go there just go to the athletic you should subscribe by the way it's uh some of the best uh some of the smartest writing there is out there thank you it and, is uh, uh, me accepted yeah but, well um, i wouldn't say that but, yeah um, but you know it's it's literally it's my go-to i use for, my stories to rip road to perdition uh <laughs> other people write more serious fare yeah you did you went after it pretty hard i would agree with that deserved it well seth i appreciate it thank you very much and uh go dogs Thank you to Seth Emerson for taking the time to join me. Scott and Will have been super busy with their you know, lives, especially their work. Be sure to check out Scott's work at Jawabi Films on Twitter and Instagram, and be sure to pre-order Will's book, The Time Has Come. It's going to be released on May the 16th. We'll see you around campus and certainly on April 15th. Go to all.